welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. My name is Chad. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're here for the very first time, I want to extend a very special welcome to you. We're going to continue our series on the Ten Commandments entitled The Rules. Because we all face rules all the time. We face rules at work. It's called policy manual. You know, we face rules at school. We face rules in the government. We face rules on the road. We face rules all the time, everywhere. And sometimes we approach God with a rules-based mentality. That if we follow the rules, if we follow the Ten Commandments, if we don't steal, if we don't, you know, murder, if we, if we don't do things, if we don't, you know, date girls that chew, you know, if we don't do all these bad things, then... We'll be in with God. But if we do steal, if we do these bad things, then when it comes to God, we're out. And we approach God with this rules-based mentality that if we just follow the rules, then somehow at the end of our lives, we'll get into heaven. But if we don't, then we're out. And we forget to remember that our relationship with God is based on trust, not rules. That God didn't give us the Ten Commandments to make bad people good or good people better. He gave us the Ten Commandments to keep free people free. He gave us the Ten Rules to keep free people free after God rescued His people from 400 years of slavery. After He brought them out out of Egyptian oppression, He graciously gave them rules to follow. Not to make bad people good, but to keep free people free. Free. See, rules are an expression of a relationship, not a condition for a relationship. Anybody here a pet owner? Anybody here own a pet? All right. Anybody here have a cat? Any cat lovers out there? Okay, I see you out there. Dog lovers. Anybody dog lovers? Okay, I'm with you. I have a dog. We just got a dog just over a year ago, and his name is Buddy. And Buddy is this cute uh, uh, yellow lab. And uh, we got him at a rescue website. He was on his way to the, to the pound, and we were able to, to adopt him into our family. And we love our, our dog, Buddy. You know, we play fetch with Buddy. We, we wrestle with Buddy. We pet Buddy. We take care of our four-year-old, you know, yellow lab named Buddy. And every once in a while, we'll bring Buddy in the backyard, and we'll play fetch with him. We'll have a good time with Buddy. But every once in a while, Buddy will go out of our fenced-in backyard and will wander off into the neighbor's yard. And he'll do what dogs do. He'll you know, kind of mark his territory and sniff other dogs' behinds. And, you know, he'll do, you know, what dogs do outside the fence, outside the boundary lines. Now, when Buddy leaves the fence, is he no longer my dog? Because he broke the rules. Like if my wife, Christine, said, hey, Chad, go get the dog. He's in the neighbor's yard. Is my response, you know, he's not my dog. You know, he went outside the fence. No, of course not. He's our dog. See, when did Buddy become our dog? The day we adopted him. The day we rescued him. The day Buddy became part of our family. And then after that, we established rules for our dog. You you can't sit on the couch. You can't jump on people. You can't go outside the fence. See, after God rescued his people from 400 years of slavery, he gave them rules to follow. Rules to live by. Rules for the family. See, God gave us these rules, not as a condition for a relationship, but as an expression of a relationship with His people. See, God gave us these rules based on trust. And after He established His relationship with trust, He gave us rules to follow. The Ten Commandments. 
Anybody remember the first rule, the first commandment? What is it? Anybody remember? You shall have no other gods before me. I want to be your one and only God. You shall have no other gods before me. I don't want you to go to multiple gods to get your multiple needs met. I want you to come to me for everything. And remember the second commandment. Anybody remember the second one? You shall have no idols that represent me. You shall not make for yourself idols. Why? Because I'm unrepresentable. I'm bigger than any idol you create. And when you make an idol, you shrink me down into something manageable. And I don't want you to try to manage me. I'm God. I'm the Lord of the universe. And I want to be the Lord of your life. I want to be the center of your life. And those are the first two of the Ten Commandments. And last week, many of you raised your hand. And you said, I want to follow the first two of the Ten Commandments. I want to obey the Ten Commandments. Because we know if those were the only two, if those were the only two commandments, that would almost be enough. I mean, if we really saw God as the one and only God, and we worshipped Him as our greatest treasure and highest pleasure, I mean, if He was the one and only God, and we turned to Him for everything, we're not going to steal. You're not going to murder. You know, I mean, if God was, if, if, we, if He was the center of our lives, if we trusted Him for all of our needs, we're not going to lie. We're going to trust Him to meet every need in our life. So that's the first two of the Ten Commandments. And those would almost be enough. But thankfully, God gave us eight more commandments. Not to make bad people good or good people better, but to keep free people free. To run down the path of freedom. Because God knows that not all free choices lead to freedom. Some choices lead to slavery. Some choices lead to addictions. Some choices lead to death. So he tells his people, hey, now that you're part of the family, now that you're free, I want to lead you down the path of freedom. I want to give you eight more commandments. And remember the third commandment? Who remembers the third commandment? All right, what's the third commandment? You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Exodus chapter 20. You can go there. We're going to just stop there just for a second. But Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 says this. It will be on the screen in a second. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. That's the third commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And when most of us hear the third commandment, most of us apply it to swearing. You know, we understand this commandment to mean that when I'm frustrated or when I'm angry, I'm not to yell out God's name in vain. You know, if, if I'm you know, working on the house and I hit my finger with that proverbial hammer, I'm not to yell out God you know, or Jesus. I'm not to yell out the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Most of us have understood that to be the application of the first commandment. Am I right? Is that the house that you grew up in? You know, when I grew up, you know, and I, and I would get frustrated or I would get angry and I would yell out God's name out loud in my frustration, my mother would come alongside and say, son, that's not what we do. And just to remind you, I got this bar soap you know, and I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap because that's not what we do. We don't use the name of the Lord in vain. 
And most of us have grown up with that understanding, that application of the third commandment. That when we're frustrated, or when we're angry, or when we hit our finger with the hammer, we're not supposed to yell out, God, or Jesus. And I had a seminary professor, and and, uh, we were going over the Ten Commandments in seminary. And he went so far to say, you're not even supposed to say, gosh, or geez, because it's too close to God, or Jesus. And he went so far to say, to illustrate his point, is that you can use swear words. You know, you can say, you know, the A word, or you can say the S word. And he used that during class. And we were all like, wow, that's our professor, you know. And, And he says, those words are nothing in comparison to using God's name. In vain. And when I left that class, I said, really? Is that really what God was concerned about? When he was up on top of the mountain talking to Moses? After rescuing his people, two million people out of 400 years of slavery. Was God really concerned about me? When I'm frustrated, when I'm angry, when I hit my finger with the hammer, that I'm going to yell out his name in vain? Is that really the force behind the third commandment? Is that really one of the top three commandments that God's so concerned about that He had to write it down as the top three commandment? That when we're frustrated or when we're angry, we're not supposed to yell out His name in frustration? I mean, is it possible that God had something completely different in mind when He gave us the third commandment? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not for swearing, you know, I'm not for yelling out God's name. I'm not for any of that stuff. Uh, you, know, God, you know, Paul writes in the, in, in the New Testament, he says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know, don't swear, you know, don't gossip, you know, don't, don't put rumor wills going, you know, don't do that stuff with your tongue. But, but could God have something different in mind when he gave us this commandment not to misuse his name? See, and the context for the Ten Commandments has nothing to do with what we say when we're frustrated and angry and everything to do with God's name, God's reputation. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. Because in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, we're going to get the context for what Moses was thinking about when he heard this third commandment related to God's name. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, Moses is in the desert. He's taking care of the flock. He's already fled Egypt. He's already killed an Egyptian. He's in the land of the Midianites. And he's taking care of the flocks and he sees a bush that is burning but isn't consumed by the fire. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, God spoke to Moses. And he said this, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Now it's a little bit strange, you know, to put yourself in Moses' shoes. You see a bush that's not consumed by the fire. So you're interested, you're curious. And you stop long enough to hear God's voice. And Moses responds, Here I am. Jump down to verse 7. God said to him, the Lord said, verse 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. 
I've heard their cry, God says. I've seen their suffering for over 400 years of slavery, over 400 years of oppression. So here's what I'm going to do, God says, verse 8. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them Uh, Bring them up out of that land and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. God says, I'm going to come down. I'm going to do something. I've heard their cry, and I'm going to take initiative. I'm going to act. I'm going to rescue my people from the hand of the Egyptians. And I'm not only going to rescue them, I'm going to bring them to the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to bring them to this spacious place where they can live in freedom. And this is what he says in verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. Don't you love that word, go? This should be a mission statement. I just love that word, go. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now go, Moses. I'm sending you to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, out of oppression, out of of slavery. Now Moses is a little bit scared with that word that he heard from God. I mean, Pharaoh is the most powerful ruler in all the world. There are two million people in slavery. And so Moses balks at this daunting task. And in verse 11, he says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in the world, and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's a great question. Who am I? You know, I'm I'm old. Moses is well past his prime. You know, I've been living with the Midianites. I mean, I'm in exile. I mean, I'm not an eloquent communicator. Who am I that I should go to the most powerful ruler on the planet and tell him to let his slave labor force go? It's a good question. But then God says to Moses in verse 12, God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I will be with you. I have sent you. Moses, this is about me. This is about my people worshiping me. See, that's the point of the whole story. That's the whole point of the book of Exodus, the book of the Bible, that this is about us worshiping God, that God took the initiative to rescue His people out of slavery and out of a response to God's gracious act that people respond in worshiping God as their one and only God. See, that's the purpose. That's the plan. And and, and God says to Moses, this is not about you, Moses. This is about me. And me rescuing my people. I am sending you. And then Moses asked God this very important question. It's a critical question for understanding this third commandment. Moses asked God the question in verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, 
The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? What a great question. What is his name? Who is the God that is sending me? Do you hear the underlying question? See, Moses is not concerned about misspelling or mispronouncing God's name. What Moses is asking God is when they ask me, who sent me? When they ask me, whose authority do you come in? When they ask me, who is this God that you represent? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say to their question, what is his name? What God do I represent? Who is sending me? See, that's a great question. That's the question that, uh, that, that helps us to understand what it means when God says, my name. See, the name in this context means representative. Name in this context means spokesperson. Name in this context means authority and power. See, when Moses asked, what is your name? He's asking, what God do I represent? What power am I given authority to act on his behalf? What is his name? And God answers in verse 14. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I'm sure that cleared it up for all the Israelites that the I am, it sounds like a Dr. Seuss story. You know, Sam, I am. I am Sam, you know, but that's what God says. I am has sent you. The one and only God, the great I am. I am has sent you. You're not going in your own power. You're not going in your own authority. You're not going in your own name. You're going in my name. I am sending you. The great I am is sending you. And then in verse 15, 15, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the I am, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation to generation. This is my name. And you are to remember my name, Yahweh. I am the Lord who is sending you. See, the actions, God says, that I'm asking you to take are not yours. They're mine. You're doing this in my name. See, name means authority. Name means power. Name means spokesperson. It means the same thing here today in our context. Remember when you were kids and you were, you know, watching television or playing with your siblings and your older brother came into the room and he says, Hey, mom said it's time to stop doing what you're doing and come to dinner. Whose authority did your brother come in? With the name of mom. Mom said to do this. I'm not saying this in my name. I'm representing mom. And she says it's time to come to dinner. So all the kids rise up and they go to dinner. That's what happened in your house, right? All the kids rise up because mom said so. 
They're doing it in the name of mom. It's the same at business. You know, you're not doing your business transactions in your own name. You're going to that client. You're going to that person in the name of the company that you represent. Your, your, your authority is granted to you on behalf of the name of the company that you're... That's what's going on here. It's the name. Name means authority. Name means power. Name means spokesperson. And Moses represented God's name. So you remember when, when Moses entered into Pharaoh's courts and he says, Hey, Pharaoh, you need to let God's people go. Was he going in his own name? No. He's going in God's name. When, he, when Moses went and, and he turned the Nile into blood, was that his power or God's power? No, it was clearly God's power. You know, when Moses sent in the plagues upon the Egyptians, you know, the gnats and the flies and all these plagues, was he doing his will? Or God's will. He's clearly doing God's will. It wasn't His will. It wasn't His power. He was using God's name to do God's will. And when God gave us the third commandment, you shall not misuse my name, He's saying, don't use my name to do your will. Don't use my authority to do your work. Don't use my power to do your agenda. Don't misuse, don't abuse my name to do your will. Don't attach my name on the things that have nothing to do with me. Because pretty soon, you people, you slave people, you're going to be in the promised land. And you're going to be a great nation. And you're going to build cities. And you're going to have roads. And people from all over the world are going to come to you. And they're going to think that you represent me. That you represent Yahweh. And I don't want you to do anything that misrepresents me. I don't want you to attach my name on the things that you do that have nothing to do with with me. Don't misuse my name. See, that's why Jesus was so upset at the religious leaders when they were in the temple courts exchanging money. Do you remember that scene when Jesus was, was towards the end of his life and the religious leaders set up their little deal in the temple courts in God's temple and they were exchanging money? It was the time of, of the, the, the uh, Passover. And all the Jewish travelers coming to Jerusalem for the Passover to celebrate what? The, the, the day that God rescued His people from slavery. The day that they, 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 they sacrificed the lamb and they had that feast and God passed them over. They were celebrating this act of faith, putting their trust in Yahweh to rescue them. But then these religious leaders put up this religious system so that when pilgrims would come, they had to exchange money. Why? So that the religious leaders could earn a profit. And then when they had the, the sacrificial system, there were animals that weren't even part of the sacrificial system that poor people were being oppressed to have to buy in order to do their sacrifices to God. They were doing activities in God's name in the temple courts that had absolutely nothing to do with God. So God turned over the temple. He turned over the money. He threw them out. He says, don't misuse my name. 
Don't do your little deal to make your little profit so that you can get ahead and have people think that it's my will, my word, my law. Don't misuse my name. Don't attach my name unto something that has absolutely nothing to do with me. See, that's what the third commandment's all about. That's what God's word, that's what God is concerned about. He's concerned about His name. His reputation. His honor. He's not concerned about what you do after you hit your finger with that proverbial hammer. I mean, certainly He doesn't want you to swear, He doesn't want you to cuss, but what He's really concerned about, what's the force behind this third commandment, is His name. It's His honor. And, and, and He wants us to do things that honor Him. See, when we, as God's people, do things in His name that have absolutely nothing to do with God, we break the third commandment. So God says, don't misuse my name. Don't abuse my name. Don't use my name to do your will. Don't use my name, my word, to accomplish your agenda or your purposes. Don't misuse my name. Can you think of examples when God's people have used God's name to do their own will? Can you think of examples when God's people have used God's name to do something that has absolutely nothing to do with God? Can you think of any examples? The Crusades come to mind. In the Middle Ages, when European Christians invaded Jerusalem, and killed thousands and thousands of Arabs in the name of God because they believed that they needed to free Jerusalem. So then they went on this crusade in the name of God to free Jerusalem. They were using God's name in a way that misrepresented God. Because when Jesus walked the earth, he said, love your enemies, don't, don't kill them. And when he was in Jerusalem, it was still under Roman oppression. It wasn't free. That wasn't God's will to free Jerusalem. That wasn't his idea. They used God's name to get their own will done. Can you think of another example where God's people have used God's name in a way that has misrepresented God, in a way that has absolutely nothing to do with God? What about slavery? You know, where well-meaning Christians in the South, pastors would stand up using the Bible to say that it was okay to have slaves. I mean, where, is it, where in the world would they get that out of the Bible? You know, if God's for anything, He's for freedom. You know, He's not for slavery. But somehow, people have misrepresented what it says in the Bible. Why? To get their own will done. Get their own agenda done. They attached God's name into something that has absolutely nothing to do with God. See, that's the real force behind the third commandment. Don't use my, don't use my name in vain. Don't attach my name onto something that's absolutely nothing to do with me. Because pretty soon, people of God, you're going to be in positions of power and authority. And people are going to be watching you. And you're going to be representing me. And I don't want you to abuse my power and authority to get your will done. To accomplish your agenda in my name. Don't misuse my name. I'm indebted to Pastor Dave Johnson over at the Open Door. Uh, He wrote a great book called The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. It's a great read, recommend that you're reading it. But in this book, he describes the subtle power of spiritual abuse. 
how sometimes Christian leaders, Christian institutions, Christian churches can subtly misuse God's name, can subtly abuse people with their spiritual authority and do things that have absolutely nothing to do with God. When I was growing up, I was part of a, of a church where, where every time you walked in, you just felt bad. You felt like you were a sinner. And the whole religious system was based on shame and guilt. And that, and that if you somehow could do enough good deeds and somehow you could earn your way into God's good graces, it was built on these false set of man-made rules. And, and it was like, you ought to do this, or you need to do this, or you should do this. And after reading this book, I finally said, don't, don't shit on me anymore. You know, it's just shoulds and oughts, and you need to do this. And you, I said, don't, that, that's not who God is. God is not a grace of God is not a God of shoulds and nots and you need to do these things. God's a God of grace and love and acceptance. And by understanding who God is, I started to walk uh, the, down the path of freedom. And I know some of you here today have been hurt by the church, you've been hurt by Christian leaders, you've been hurt by people that have misused God's name, misused God's word, misused their authority to hurt you. And I just got to say as a pastor, I'm sorry. That was not God's intent. Whatever happened, that was not God's plan. God's plan was for people not to misuse His name, not to abuse their authority to get their own agenda done or needs met. See, that's the force of the third commandment. It's not about hitting your finger with a hammer. It's not about what you shout when you're frustrated. It's about misrepresenting God, using God to get your will done. And as easy as it is to kind of look at, you know, the crusaders or, or, or kind of look at the church and point our fingers at all those people that have misused God's name. I think if we really wanted to apply this commandment to our lives, we'd have to look at our own hearts. We'd have to ask each one of us by ourselves, how am I doing with the third commandment? How am I misusing God's name, God's word for my agenda, for my will? How am I misusing God's word or God's will to accomplish my will? How am I doing on the third commandment? Oftentimes, I'll, I'll hear husbands and wives that are in conflict, and they'll come to me and they say that we need help. And sometimes, the husbands will, 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 will have these conversations and they'll stand up and you say, they say, you know, the man is the head of the household and my wife needs to submit. Because that's what the Bible says. It says, submit, because I'm the head of the household. And these men will be misusing God's word. Why? To get their own agenda accomplished. And they forget to remember that God's word also says that the man is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, sacrificially. That sure, the man's the head of the household, and he may wear the crown, but it's a crown of thorns. The man is to, to correctly understand that passage. He is to sacrifice himself for the sake of his wife. But so often we can misuse God's word to get our own agenda done. And sometimes we even do this as parents. Remember the verse, honor thy father and thy mother. You know, one of the Ten Commandments. Sometimes parents can say, you know, kids, you know, you got to do this. You got to honor your father and your mother. That's what the Bible says. You know, honor me because I said so. That's why you got to do it. And we as parents sometimes forget the Bible also says, right next to honor thy father and thy mother, don't exasperate your children. Don't put too much on your kids. Learn 
how they're wired. Come alongside what God wants to accomplish in their lives. And then they're going to honor you. Then they're going to rise up and call you blessed. But don't just use your authority. Don't just use your power to somehow manipulate your children to, to do what you want to do. Don't misuse my name. Don't misuse the power that I have entrusted to you to raise your children. Don't misuse my name. And sometimes I'll I'll meet up with with people that are struggling with sin. They'll come to my office and they'll say, you know, Chad, I'm I'm having a hard time. You know, I can't control my tongue. Every time I talk, I just say things that I don't mean. I mean things that I don't say. I'm having a hard time controlling the words that I say. Or sometimes guys will come into my office and say, you know, Chad, I still just lost. I'm looking at pornography and I can't seem to get out of it. And oftentimes people will say to me, they'll say, I'm so glad that God promises that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm so glad that God promises to forgive me once I sin. You see what these guys are doing? They're playing God against God. They're using God's promise to get to do their own will. Because they really don't want to get out of the sin that they're in. They're saying, I'm still going to sin. I'm still going to look at pornography. I'm still going to do things that I know that I'm wrong. And I'm just going to go back to God and say, God, please forgive me. I'm going to sin and God's going to forgive. I'm going to misuse His Word to continue to do what I want to do. I'm going to break the third commandment. I'm going to misuse God's Word to keep on sinning, forgetting that the real force of that verse is to help people get out of sin, not to people to keep people in sin. See, that's what God says. He says, I don't want you to misuse my name. I don't want you to misrepresent me. I don't want you to take my word and twist it around to get your will done. Don't misuse my name. Don't misuse my law. Don't misuse my word. And then God gives us a warning in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Much like He gave us the warning in the second commandment, God gives us a warning if we misuse His name. Exodus 20, verse 7 says this, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuse His name. God gives us a warning. He says, I'm not going to hold anyone guiltless. You're responsible for your actions. If anyone misuses my name, you're going to be punished. If anyone plays God against God, if anyone uses God's word to stay in sin or oppress other people, if anyone uses God's word or God's way to get their own agenda or their own needs met, then God's not going to hold them guiltless. Now, I'm not exactly how God's not going to hold that person guiltless, but I do know this, that the Pharisees during the time of Jesus were great at using God's name to get their own will done. They were masters at manipulating and changing God's law to get their own agenda accomplished. They were masters at doing this. They were masters at creating religious traditions, religious customs, religious rules to get their will done to get their own agenda accomplished. They were great at creating 
religious, man-made rules to get their will done, not God's. And you know what happened? They missed God. Jesus was right there in the flesh, talking to the Pharisees, doing miracles, teaching the people, and they missed Him. They completely missed Him. Why? Because they were so concerned about their rules. They were so concerned about the religious system. They were so concerned about their little way of doing things that they missed the Messiah. And God says, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to miss me. I don't want you to replace a relationship with me with your little rules. I don't want you to miss me. I don't want you to replace a, a, a free relationship with me with your religious pursuits. I want you to honor my name. I want you to bless my name. I want you to do my will in my way. I want you to use my name to do my will. Don't misuse my name. That's the third commandment. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity in it. And we thank you that you speak to us. Every time we open up your word. And as we have heard your word this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would convict us, that you would change us, that you would do a work in us in such a way that we could run into your commands with freedom. Knowing that you have called us out of darkness, called us out of slavery into your wonderful light to walk in truth, to love and honor you as our greatest treasure, to have no meaningless idols and not to misuse your name, but to use your name to do your will. And that's my prayer for us today, that we would be a people that honor you and represent you well in every area of our lives. Praying all this in Jesus' name. Amen.